This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where certain things are fixed, the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. All right, so what you drinking? I am drinking my favorite beer of all time. Mm. Uh, my favorite brewery, or one of my favorite breweries, um, is Dogfish Head Brewery. They make some good stuff. And uh, twice a year, they make 120 minutes, so a two-hour boil IPA. And so I got to go from April to September, and here we are in September, and COVID messed up the schedule, so I didn't get any more, so I'm drinking last year's supply, mm. but it is my favorite beer of all time because today is my favorite day of all time. Saturday. Well, not just Saturday. <laughs> Saturday is a good day, but it's Baylor's opening day ah. for football yep. and Oklahoma lost. <gasps> the only thing that would make this day better is the game's on right now, but Texas would lose. <laughs> As a Baylor fan, there are no teams I hate more than Texas and Oklahoma. <laughs> so... Lord Jesus. <laughs> Forgive I, him. He knows not what. <laughs> As I drink my beer, would you please make my day? <laughs> um, so I'm drinking the, I don't know how you pronounce it. Actually, I think it's Spotten Spatten Oktoberfest. Mm. Um, it's a traditional uh, German October, Oktoberfest, um, which this is probably one of my favorite beers of all time. Um, the Oktoberfest or that one specifically? This one specifically. This is probably one of my all-time favorite Oktoberfests, second only to the St. Arnold's Oktoberfest. Oh, nice. Um, the the St. Arnold's Oktoberfest is great, um, but this one has some different elements to it where it's not as sweet. It's a, got a bit oh. more maltiness to it. Um, so it's a, it's a nice balance between the two. I might like it then. That's my one complaint. And St. Arnold's might be my, my favorite brewery. Mm. It'd be hard to put them, pick between them and Dogfish Head. Yeah. But uh, that's my one complaint about their Oktoberfest is... It's just too sweet. It's just too sweet. But we're coming into October. Right. Uh, which means it's time for the Pumpkinator. That's right. Um, that's a good beer. Yeah, that's um, one of the best beers. It makes me wonder how they fit the pumpkin in the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Little uh, How I Met Your Mother joke for yep, everybody yep. who knows. Greatest TV show of all time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. So cheers, man. Cheers. Mm, that's good. All right, so this is the episode where we introduce the Trinity. Yes, this very complex theological thing. Yeah. Um, people have tried to explain it in a myriad of different ways. And, you know, from the egg metaphor to the, the St. Patrick. The egg metaphor. Oh, yeah. The shell, the yolk, and the, the egg white. Yeah. And okay. then and then there's the, the, the St. Patrick um, where he tries to explain the Trinity and the clover, you know, the three leaves. Uh, yep, yep. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this. Okay, so first and foremost, let's go ahead and get it out of the way. Uh, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. No, nowhere. So Christians, and specifically if you come from fundamentalism, like we did, um, don't say that your only theology comes from the Bible. 
Because while we may see elements of the Trinity present right. in Scripture, the word itself, the concept itself, is not detailed out in Scripture. That's right. That has come to us through church tradition. Now, let's also go ahead and make clear, I think this is an essential theological belief to be a Christian. Absolutely. Now, I would make this category. I'm still working this out, but um, I had a professor at Baylor this week tell me that he makes a distinction between if someone is a Christian and if they are saved. Mm. So for him, there seems to be some level of category that someone can be saved without truly being a Christian. Mm. Um, and I think, still working this out, he gets that from Jesus says, whoever confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus is Lord will be saved. Right. So you can do that thing without being an identifiable believing Christian. Right. And so still working that out in my own theology. That's an interesting perspective. Yeah. Still working that out in my own theology, uh, which truth is, if we were going to believe in that, we would need to come up with some um, Protestant form of purgatory. Right. To, to iron out the rest of that theology. Right. You would have to. Yeah, to some extent. So still working that out. And and here's a point that I want to make uh, for everybody that's listening. If you ever get to a point where your theology is 100% fixed and never changing, I think you need to check yourself because you might be yeah. a, a heretic uh, because there are always these tensions in Scripture. And so if we are reading Scripture and seeking to better follow Jesus, yeah. we're going to be reading and reading things in new light. And so there are going to be elements of what we're reading that force us into tension with something we'd already formulated. Right. And so that's why we say uh, there are essentials and non-essentials. And for me, the Trinity is an essential. you got to believe the Trinity to be a Christian. Um, now, what that means in this other category of potentially being a, being a saved person without truly being a believing Christian, because as I say that, if somebody, you know, happened upon a Bible through a missions organization in a second world country and all they have was the Bible, can they believe in Jesus through just special revelation of scripture? Absolutely. Yeah. Will they ever formulate a, an Orthodox version of the Trinity? Probably, Probably not. not. So I think there needs to be a differentiation there, but I'm not sure where the line is. Right. But to that end, if you want to be an Orthodox believing Christian, the Trinity is one doctrine you got to believe in. So what is it? It is the idea that God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit are one God in three persons, same in essence, different in substance really complicated. Yeah, it's a lot of philosophical theology. Yeah. Now, I will say there are there's one text in scripture that really helped me in understanding the Trinity. Mm. So, it's the story of Jesus' baptism, mm. which is found predominantly in Matthew and Luke. Right. Um Mark has like one passing statement on it. Right. Um but in the story, Jesus shows up to be baptized by John the Baptist, John the one who baptizes, John right. the baptizer. That's John was not the first Baptist. Yeah. 
Yeah. We like if yeah. if you're still believing in the trail of blood where Baptists can trace their lineage all the way back to John the Baptist, guys, I'm sorry, but you're just wrong. <laughs> that's cute, honey, but you're just wrong. Like it ain't happening. No. Um everything goes through hilarious. Peter. Um it's hilarious, actually. <laughs> yeah. It just come on. It's it's laughable. Come on, man. So um, anyways, so Jesus shows up to John the Baptist and he goes to be baptized and he gets baptized and, and the different gospels portray it different ways. Um, but when he rises out of the water, it's, it's not really clear if only he hears it or if everyone present hears it. Uh, it's not clear if he's the only one being baptized or there are a bunch of people there being baptized. Right. Because we have the synoptic problem present in this, where we have this recorded or some version of it recorded. In um, all of explain these the synoptic problem for people who may not know. Fair point. So, the synoptic problem is when we have the synoptic gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. When we have them, and we have the same story recorded in each of those gospels, um, what do you do when there's differences in their in their storytelling? So, for instance. Um, in this specific one, we have elements where certain details are changed. Yeah. yeah, so I've got my book here about the synoptic problem. And this story of the baptism of Jesus, to some extent, is recorded in some variation in all four Gospels. Okay. So not just the synoptics, but... And the reason that John is not included in the Synoptic Gospels is because he's doing his own thing. Yeah, John is doing something radically different than the other Gospels. Right. Mm. So, for instance, right here, uh, in Matthew and Mark's version, um, Jesus seems to be the only one that's noted as being baptized. Mm-hmm. But in Luke's version, Luke 3.21, now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus had also been baptized. Right. So we're going, oh, okay, what do we do here? Right. This is that's a pretty significant different detail. Yeah. Now, it's important to remember that Jesus was probably baptized more than once. Um, baptism is not... Um, it's... It's not a, just a one-time spiritual practice like mm. we do now. Baptism was an ancient practice that lots of people did for lots of different reasons. So, ladies, uh, when you have your period, you have to be baptized when you're done. Men, when you ejaculate, you have to be baptized after you've done that in order to enter the temple. Right. Now we're not saying you have to do that today. We're just saying no, that, no, no. that's yeah. how it was. Back that's how then. it was back then. Yeah. Uh, if you touched a dead animal, you got to be baptized. Like there are all these things. It was a cleansing ritual. Yeah, yeah. It's just a normal ritual. So people were getting baptized all the time. Right. The thing that makes John's baptism different is it's a baptism for repentance. Right. Now that's its own thing. Why does Jesus have to go get a baptism of repentance if he hasn't sinned? Right. Right. So there's this very complex thing here, and so in each of these stories, it there's this question of who sees it. But at some point, um, Jesus, when he comes up out of the water, 
he's uh there's a voice that comes from heaven and the voice says in some version this is my beloved son with you i am well pleased and so it's it's not clear if jesus is the only one that hears that or if everyone around him also hears that and it's not clear if Jesus is the only one that sees the next part, which is, and the spirit descended upon him like a dove and rested and remained. Yeah. Or if everyone else saw the spirit descend upon him like a dove. Right. So <clears throat> it's not a hundred percent clear, but that passage for me is the, it's the kind of passage where we go, Oh my God. We see all three of the people. We see all, all three, three persons of, of the Trinity yeah. present in one text. You've got the voice of God the Father. You've got Jesus. And you've got um, the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Mm. Now, what, what do we do with each of these? Okay? So... Three persons, one God. Yeah. Right? So remember, Christianity is the fulfillment of ancient Judaism. And so when they recite the Shema, do you, what, do you remember what the Shema, Shema is? No. It's the, it's the anthem of Judaism. Okay. Um, Deuteronomy 6, 5. Uh, yeah, let's get a Bible. Yeah. There. He's got an actual Bible. I've just got one on my phone. Yeah, He's a, a better Christian. I'm a real Christian. That's right. <laughs> a real Christian. Yeah. So Deuteronomy 6.5 is the Shema, which is the kind of anthem. It's a, a prayer that any Jewish person would have memorized uh, by the time of their bar or bat mitzvah. Mm. Um, beginning in verse 4 of Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your might. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So the Shema is four and five. Right. The rest of that is exposition on what do you do with these. Mm. So hear, O Israel, hear the people of God. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Other translations translate it, the Lord our God is one. Okay. There is one God. Uh, we talked about it last episode that um, ancient Judaism is not fixed. Right. Like in anything, you have conservatives and liberals. Yeah. And so Judaism, especially Second Temple Judaism, which is what we have by the time of Jesus. So Solomon builds the first temple, right? Then we have the exile, and they destroy the temple. Right. Then we get the second temple built with Ezra and Nehemiah. All right, so the second Second Temple Judaism is... Unique. Uh, everybody has a different expression of it, but there are certain core elements and characteristics of Judaism. One of them is monotheism. There is one God. Mm -hmm. um, so this is not polytheism. Right. 
Jesus is not his own God, and God the Father is not his own God, and God the Spirit is not his own God. There is one God. Um, there are some misled, I don't want to call them expressions of Christianity, um, because they're, they're not really, um, that don't believe in the Trinity. Yeah, um, so give me an example. So Mormons would be one. Yeah, so they would be categorically different. I don't know that... They're not even trying to be Christian. No. They're Christian adjacent. Yes, that that's that's kind of what I mean. Um, um, yeah, but there are some that would express themselves as Christians and that we might mistake as Christians that don't believe in the Trinity. Okay. Uh, in, in a true Orthodox way. Okay. So one would be oneness Pentecostals. Okay, yeah. Um. Uh, can you do you know a famous oneness Pentecostal group? I know someone who is a part of that, but I don't know of a famous person. Okay, no. so there there's a famous musical group that came from oneness Pentecostal that actually was saying quite heavily in fundamentalist Christian circles. Are you about to ruin a good band for me? Probably not. I don't know if this is a good band for you. I might be about to ruin a good band for somebody else. Okay. Uh, Phillips, Craig, and Dean. PCD. Oh. They are oneness. You've talked to me about this before. I just forgot, but yeah. Yeah, they are oneness Pentecostals. Mm. So they don't believe that uh, there's really three persons. That God is one, and he can manifest himself in three ways. Yeah. So this is called modalism. And here's the problem with trying to explain something like this. It's it's finite human beings trying to explain an infinite God. Right. It's like a and line so, trying to understand a cube. Yeah, we're 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 not talking in the same categories, yeah. right? So we have our own we have our own limitations in how we can talk about this. But so because of that, because we have our own limitations, the metaphors that we can use to describe this always break down at some level. Absolutely. Right? So one of the pretty prominent um, metaphors used to explain the Trinity is the person and their roles. Mm. So, for example, I am Cullen Ware. I'm a pastor, I'm a father, and I'm a husband. Yeah. Okay, so I'm my person, but I'm three roles or modes. Mm. The problem is that's called modalism, um, and it's heretical. Right. Because it's it's not that, because they are three distinct persons. Right. But they are one God. Yeah. And so with with that, um the problem with modalism is what do you do with the baptism of Jesus, where you see all three of them present in one moment. Yeah. In a in a specific instance, we can put our finger on it and go, but they're all three right there. Mm-hmm. So that that has its own limitations. So it's not modalism, it's not polytheism, right? It's in its own category. It's its own thing. If you guys are, are listening to this and you're confused, don't feel bad. I'm confused too. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think it's it's not confusing when we put them in when we put them in their place in the the salvation history. Yeah. Okay, so when people refer in the Old Testament, um, 
the holy name of God, the reverent name of God was Yahweh. Right. In your current translations, when you go in the Old Testament and you see the word Lord, all caps, it's Yahweh. Right. It's the holy name of God. Right. Um, and people have done a lot of really cool stuff with that through history. So if, um, we'll need to put this in a, in a video form, but in Hebrew, and I'll try to do it backwards for the camera, but in Hebrew, Yahweh, you don't, in Hebrew, you don't have the vowels, right? Like those are dots that are put in later by Masoretes. Like they're not original to the text. Um, and so you just have the consonants. And so what that ends up happening is you have a yod, a hey, a vav, and a hey in the Hebrew alphabet. And so in an old form of Hebrew mysticism, it is they took that and they turned it upside down or they turned it vertical. And so you have a yod, a, a hey, a vav, and a hey. Mm. And when you write it out, it, formulates a man it's a stick figure man mm. and so they turned it in it's the image of god mm. so cool our, our friend sean palmer has this tattooed on his on, on, his, on, arm. So on his arm and um that's actually becoming a really popular thing now too oh is it um yeah I'm, so I'm sean sorry. got just because i want to protect my boy sean he got right. this like six or seven years ago yeah, oh <laughs> yeah i saw sean do this a long time before i've seen anybody else do it yeah but um that is becoming a really popular thing and it's it's pretty it's pretty cool, man. Like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, anyways, so we'll we'll put a graphic up somewhere to find follow us on social media or go follow go follow Sean Palmer. He's got a picture on his Instagram. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Sean Palmer or follow us at Wellhouse Church. Yeah, we'll all of our stuff. We'll do that too. Mywellhouse.church. You can find all of our socials at our website. But anyway, so um. You have Yahweh, and so in your Old Testament Bibles, it's Lord in all caps. Right. Um, and Yahweh is what we would now say is God the Father. Right. He is the ultimate supreme being. He is the creator God, the one who, according to the Genesis story, speaks the world into existence. He is the supreme source of godness. Right. Okay? Now... Do we ever see Jesus before he's Jesus in the New Testament? That is heavily debated. It's super debated. One, super debated. One argument is that um, it was Jesus with Gideon. Um, you know, you remember when Gideon, um, oh gosh, um, when Gideon got his call. Okay. I've heard this that the angel that came to him might have actually been Jesus. Oh, interesting. Okay, um, I hadn't heard that one. I've heard that one. I've also heard that the the angel with, or the the man, quote. The figure. The, the figure in the um, fire, in the, in the in, furnace. In the with, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story. Yeah, yeah. Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat. Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat. Yeah. If you're a fan of Tyler Perry, you've heard that. But. Yeah. So, um yeah, that's one. That's another place that people use yeah. um, to do that. When in Genesis, when it says that Adam and Eve walked with God, mm. that's Jesus, Jesus um, 
So some people have said those types of things. Other people have said anytime you see the angel of the Lord. That was Jesus. It's yeah. Jesus. Uh, it's hard to know. We're going to talk about it in another episode um, when we start going through the the creeds, our Wellhouse Church's Confessions of Faith. Um, Which we start we're next gonna, week. Super exciting. Yeah, we're going to talk more about it. But the virgin birth is pretty important. Um, we as Protestants have kind of thrown that out, and I'm not saying that we should start worshiping Mary, but um, it's not by happenstance that Mary does what she does, yeah. and it's pretty important to the overall biblical story. Absolutely. Um, and she's also not the first virgin to give birth. Yeah. So we'll we'll hit on that too. Um, but that's actually a prophecy that is fulfilled multiple times. So in prophecy, you can have singular fulfillments. You can have multiple fulfillments that are fulfilled on a scale. Or you can have um, predictions of a coming fulfillment. So um, maybe I will actually cut this piece of the, the video out so you can just see what happened with my face because when, <laughs> when he said i've never heard that before yeah yeah we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks when we talk about the virgin birth in the nicene creed oh my god it's a prophecy I, you should read your bible better <laughs> read the old testament it's important yeah I do read the old testament it's I recorded just, yeah. in the old testament and when we read the prophecy like the prophecy is fulfilled but then the new testament authors quote it again and it's fulfilled again but on a greater scale. So anyways, all I'd say. Wow. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about this uh, because I, I think it's important. Yeah. But so Jesus comes and what, whether Jesus is present in the Old Testament or not, uh, while I think that's a, a fun debate and discussion to have, it's not vital to the Trinity because we definitely get Jesus in the New Testament. Mm. And who is Jesus in the New Testament? He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is the God in human form. He is a 100% God, 100% man. That's right. So that's that's what we have. The deity of Jesus cannot be denied. Yeah. That is what we talked about last time, right. Arianism, or the followers of Arius, right. not the modern manifestation of fascism. Right. We had to make that distinction. Yeah. Um, so you have God, the father who is the source of godness. Yeah. He is the creator God. And then you have Jesus who is God with us, God in human form, the son of God, the one who accomplishes the will and work of God. Yeah. And then you have the Holy spirit, which is, um, God as omnipresent. Right. Um, for those of you who don't know, in Greek and actually in Hebrew, I just thought about this. Yeah. Um, and if we have any Hebrew scholars listening to us, help me because my Hebrew is not the best. My Greek's really good, but my Hebrew is not the best. But in both Greek and Hebrew, the word for spirit is the same word for breath or wind. Right. Yeah. Um, which that I knew. Which we don't have that in... We don't have that in English, uh, and I'm not sure about other modern languages, but at least in both of those ancient languages, spirit and breath and wind are kind of the same thing, mm -hmm. uh, or at least the same idea and concept. Mm -hmm. 
And so what that means is, is the Holy Spirit is the element of God that is present after Jesus on the earth. And specifically, um, this is important to um, Christian theology because we get to Paul in 1 Corinthians. And Paul, in this context of the Corinthian hedonism, so they're like overindulgence of sexual promiscuity. Paul puts this in context that we are the temple of God. Yeah. And that's important because in the Old Testament, the temple is a fixed place. Right. And there are rules about how you conduct yourself in the temple, yeah. just like there are rules about how you conduct yourself as a Christian. Right. Because it is the place where God dwells. We're not talking about telling your kids to not run in church and all that stuff. No, no, not that kind of thing. But run, play, be merry. Absolutely. But what we are talking about is there are certain things about the way in which we are supposed to conduct ourselves because we house God. We right. are the temple. And so what happens is when the temple's destroyed, um, and or actually specifically on the cross, so Matthew does a really good job of this telling in, in his story, it's not present in all of them, but in, in Matthew, it's really pronounced. You actually have, so in Jesus's baptism, you have in Matthew that the skies are ripped open mm-hmm. and a voice from heaven and the dove comes down. Right. Well, when Jesus dies or submits his life mm-hmm. on the cross, you have the curtain between the Holy of Holies and the Holies right. torn right. from the top down same word. Mm-hmm. So to readers, when you see that, that's kind of a bookend. That's a framing of a piece of the narrative. You should pay attention to that. And so as it's torn apart like that, what happens is the temple no longer houses God. Right. God is housed in humanity, right. in the sending of the spirit to be upon Jesus and then him offering his life on the cross the curtain is torn from the top down. God himself establishing that the temple no longer houses God. And then at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, we get a fully new dispersion of God, the housing of God amongst the people of God, mm. in which, quoting Joel, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Mm. The kingdom of God now knows no gender boundaries right that god himself in the spirit is present in the people of god and therefore we now know no gender right Right. now all people house the same spirit of god and therefore can act in god's kingdom the same way right and that's it's important number one just for gender situations i mean in the ancient in in the old testament the Levites are the the temple keepers, and they're all males. Like it's it's all males that do that. Well, now we don't have that. Now we have a category in which women can do this. To another extent, it's important to remember that we look at the Old Testament and we see, see these really beautiful, pronounced moments. Um. You know, where Moses sees the feet of God. Yeah. 
right? Where he goes up on Mount Sinai and receives the um, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, or he experiences God in a burning bush, or Noah hears God audibly. Um, that's cool, but what we miss is that those may be the only time they hear God. It's true. Whereas we have God living within us. Yeah. You know, I have a friend, Kyle Dobbs, if you're listening, love you, bro. Um, we served on staff together, um, really good friends for a long time. And I, I remember saying, um, man, I can't wait to get to heaven so I can ask Moses and Noah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and all these people, fathers of the faith, what was it like to see God in the bush? Or what was it like to experience God in this way? And he was like, I think they're going to look at you and go, hey, dumb dumb, what was it like to have God living within you? What was yeah. that like? Ooh. Mm. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And so I think, you know, the Trinity is a very important doctrine. Yeah. Um, it, it has its place in the story of Christendom. So just real quick, um, I remember there was a time in your life where um, for several years, if not even still to this day, um, about once a year, you would read The Shack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Real quickly, um, is that a good resource for, for our listeners to, to refer to, to kind of see some level of a modern day example of the Trinity? Yeah, so I think, so for those of you who don't know, The Shack is uh, a novel written by William P. Young. And they, they also turned it into a movie. Yeah, they turned it into a movie. The book is better. The book is better. <laughs> the book's always better. Just the <laughs> Hands down, the book is always better. Mm-hmm. It's just better. If you don't read, you should read. Yeah. Um, but so William P. Young writes this novel, and it is a novel, and it's a story um, about a man who's in search for closure, and in his search, he happens upon a cabin, and in the cabin, he experiences God, yeah. and God helps him to find closure for what he's wrestling with. I don't want to give the book away um, because I do want people to go read it because I do think it's helpful. Yeah. Now we should also remember that all metaphors break down at some level. Right. So it has its limitations, but so for instance, I'll give you one critique I have of it and it's a, it's a very technical critique. Um, but when the main character happens upon the cabin, he ends up meeting all three characters Okay, or all three persons of God. God. Yeah. And God the Father is a black woman called Papa. Mm-hmm. And I think I think what William is trying to do there is break down some of the stereotypes we have of what, what figure God would show up in. It, he could have made him in this Gandalf figure. Right. But to some extent that's the figure we get that's the image we get of Jesus in Revelation. Yeah. Right. So I think when we think of God the Father, we think of like Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. But what William's trying to do is break down those stereotypes, like, or those prototypes. Like, that's, 
maybe that's not what God the Father would look like. Maybe God the Father would look something utterly different than what we would expect. Right. And so God the Father in the story, in the shack, is a, a black woman, and specifically a large black woman. And she's called Papa. And that that name is both significant theologically and significant to the narrative of the story. So I just got to go read it. To yeah. I'm not going to explore that too much because it's important for the story. But then you have Jesus who is Jesus. He's a middle-aged Mediterranean man. That's a carpenter. He, there's a, a shop like a woodshed where you can frequently find Jesus throughout the story, building things. And then you have the spirit who is um, this ethereal Asian woman, like this little ethereal Asian woman. She just kind of floats around. She appears and disappears. Like Real she, quiet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's, um, at one point, if I remember the story, it's been several years since I read it, but uh, she tends the garden. Or you if find her correctly, you find yeah. her frequently in the garden. Yeah. Now you also see the other characters show up in the garden too right. at different times, but but she primarily tends the garden. She's present in the garden, uh, which is significant both theologically and maybe we'll just do a whole episode on we, the shack. We really should. Um, at go a read date. the book first, or if you're not a reader, go watch the movie before you, yeah, you listen and, to that and, episode. Yeah, and we'll we'll explore this more. But one critique that I have is that at one point the main character is sitting on the porch of the cabin with Papa and there she served him biscuits or something like they're they're sitting there eating and, and talking conversing um, and he scene. looks down and sees that Papa has the same holes in her hands from the nails of the cross mm-hmm. which is a really powerful moment in the narrative but it's theologically inconsistent because they're three distinct persons, right? So once again, you have a bit of modalism present in that because I don't actually think God the Father has the scars from his hands because that's unique to the person of God in Jesus. Yeah. Um, That's why we say they are one in... um, They are one in essence, different in substance. Right. Um. So it's a good book to at least help you think about the Trinity um, and help you formulate it to some extent. Uh, And he tries, because if you, truth be, if you didn't have that, there's nothing that links them together except that they call each other father, son, you know, that kind of thing. Um, But realistically, um Without that, there's nothing of making them one right. either. So it's all metaphors of a finite nature break down when you're trying to talk about an infinite thing. Yeah. Well, I think we've gone way over time today. I think so. It's a really complex thing. And when we, over the next few weeks, as we begin to work out the creeds, yeah. uh, we will we will talk about it more. We will. Um, also, we're going to talk about a lot of other things that are considered essential doctrine yeah um, for sure and, and, and so really pay attention to to these next few um these next few episodes especially if you're not like a theology nerd like us um as we said in the intro we're both nerds when it comes to theology um and so 
we understand that not everyone is, but these next few episodes are going to be extremely important. Um, yeah. So, so tune in for those. And if you're not a theology nerd, that's cool. You don't have to listen to the other ones. We would appreciate it if you did, but seriously turn into these next few. Yeah. I think it's important to at least turn into these and we'll try to keep it light and fun. We'll drink beer. We'll invite you into the conversation and we will together have a grand old time as we talk about essential doctrines of faith. Yeah. Um, so for, um, lots of social media things, or, um, if you have some way to comment on this, um, podcast, um, leave down your thoughts below about what you thought about the episode. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, want to know what you're thinking. We want to invite you into these conversations with us. And if we end up needing to do a, a part two, a Trinity part two, we can do that. We'll, we'll definitely do that and do that with each one. I mean, we're going to be recording a lot of these and we want to invite you into the conversation. This is pints and perspectives, which means you yourself have a perspective that's worth sharing. We all need to respect each other's perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, res- respect percent, respect perspectives. I should turn that into a t-shirt. <laughs> absolutely. Oh my gosh. Great merch. And hey, let us know if you, if we did do that or if we, we did that. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure to like and subscribe and follow us and all those things. But mm. uh, if you would wear like a Pints and Perspectives t-shirt or a Let's Talk t-shirt, like let us know because we would we would be happy to do that. Yeah. Uh, at you know at our cost or very close to our cost. Right. Uh, to get the word out, to let people know about the conversations, all those yeah. types of things, to spread awareness for Wellhouse Church. And if you like the Respect Perspective t-shirt. Let us know. I actually like I, that. I really like that. That's yeah, pretty, that's I, pretty cool. I actually really like that. We should we should work on a design for that. We should. We'll we'll, we'll work on that. Um, there's some other things we got to work on too. Oh yeah, in, for sure. In relation to that. Anyways, um, I think that, I think that we hit all the main points and we're way over. Yeah, time. I think so. But, this is a long episode. Yeah, but. We'll figure it out, and we'll see you next week to talk about the uh, first part of the Nicene Creed. Uh, is it Nicene or are we, are we starting with the Nicene Creed? Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. Well, cool. Nice talking with you, man. Absolutely enjoyed it. Yeah. All right.